0: Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Ramble. hope you guys are all having a nice weekend. Um, We're here today to talk a little bit about the Juventus-friendly game and a bit of uh, World Cup chat uh, also. Um, Today we're joined by myself and Dom. Uh, How's it going, mate? You all right?
1: Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Uh, Just about calmed down after the World Cup final madness. But um, yeah, not too bad. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. I'm all good. Um, Working away a little bit this week. Um, Not as crushedy as as yourself. You've been away on holiday, haven't you? How was that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of winter sun for me. It's uh, not quite as warm as it was in the summer when I went to Spain, but it was about... 18, 19 degrees whilst uh, looking over at the UK on the weather app scene. It was like minus four, uh, and minus yeah. seven in some places. So, yeah, it was it was all right to be sat on the beach, albeit in a body warmer, <laughs> sipping a few cocktails. Uh, yeah, a few cocktails can't complain, nice you know? and
0: smug. Yeah, nah, very nice, very nice, very jealous. <laughs> but yeah, I thought what <laughs> we would do first. Now, yes. Is chat a little bit about the, the the World Cup game as you've mentioned? That's that's just finished the World Cup final. That is, um, yeah, Argentina uh, won it eventually. Um, what a game that was, though! What a game! It had everything, literally. You know, penalties, controversial decisions,
1: hat tricks. Do um,
0: oh, you enjoy the game?
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up. It was a game that had pretty much everything. And after about 80 minutes or so, when um Argentina was still 2 0 up, you thought France had been really underwhelming. And it yeah. just seems like a walk in a park, really like a bit of a boring final, if anything. And then mm. Mbappe, he steps up. Well, to be honest, Mbappe for 80 minutes was awful. He really didn't create anything at all. Yeah. But he wow. had his, um, converted his penalty, which came pretty much out of nowhere. And then straight afterwards, scores again, an unbelievable finish. I think even you said yeah. you messaged me saying that you got goosebumps when that went in. And I think <laughs> I did too, because I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just cannot even explain the magnitude of that goal. Because in tournament football, in knockout football, that brings you to extra time. Um yeah, so went to extra time and you're thinking, what the hell is going to happen from here on out? You're thinking France, are, they've got all the momentum now after Argentina have pretty much bottled a 2-0 lead. So everyone's focused mm-hmm. on France thinking that they're going to win it. And then another turn in the tail and Argentina score. And you're thinking, yeah. oh, well, that's it done and dusted. <laughs> Game over. It's been it's been a good game, but you know, Messi scored. It was a pretty good goal as well, just over the line. And then you're oh. thinking, right? Well, Argentina have won the World Cup. That's that's going to be it. And then another twist in the tail when Mbappe <laughs> scores again from the spot. You're thinking, what? That anyone that watched that game. I was a mutual for the game, and I think it's the best football match that I've ever watched. I sat there and watched it with a girlfriend, mm. and we, even she, she's not too bothered about football, but even she was on the edge of her seat, going, "Wow, what a match!" I wish every game yeah. of football was like that. But yeah, we really got treated so to that game, a real treat. How did yeah, you what enjoy an entertaining it? Game.
0: Yeah, I mean, a little bit like what you said. Really, when it went to two two, that normally puts um the team that equalised as the favourite because the momentum's all with them. So I was really thinking France were gonna push on and then get that third to make it three two France, but obviously then it was it was you know, it was Argentina that got the third, so or their third I should say. Um so yeah it was it was such a strange game, but such an amazing game. Um yeah I feel uh privileged to have watched it. Um couldn't help but think oh I wish it was England. <laughs> um but you know we and can't have it all.
1: It's like that um, before the game we were talking with we, we were saying who do we actually want to win this game and we were saying well yeah. in an ideal world neither of them we'd be happy if they both lost. Yeah. Um but I think I did I, didn't, I think Argentina did just edge it for me because obviously France knocked us out recently and that hurt. And it's yeah. it's quite nice to see an absolute legend of the game, Messi, to have a bit of a um icing on the cake of his career at the lat- latter stages of his career as well. So that's always nice to see. Although seeing them put a robe on covering the Argentina shirt when he's celebrating mm. with the World Cup was I think that was a bit naff.
0: Yeah, I'm so surprised he didn't whip that right off you know and just be like no i'm not wearing that i guess he's probably caught up in the moment isn't he like he's probably not even thinking about
1: that yeah um, don't want to cause a lot of offense maybe either cause in, in case it's like a cultural thing so
0: yeah but it, it's not there it's not their moment you know it's argentina's moment it's nothing to do with qatar that 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 lifting True. of the trophy uh, it's overindulging for me like you know step back let let argentina celebrate they, they they deserve it at the end of the day but um yeah yeah that really was a bit that's a bit fringy to see and it's um, it's quite
1: strange as well to see that um the domino effects because we spoke about this earlier about how neil morpay injuring Bern leno a couple of seasons back then rolls into argentina winning the world cup from So Bernardo gets injured, Martinez steps into the frame for Arsenal and then guides Arsenal to an FA Cup win, gets a big money move to Aston Villa and becomes their number one keeper and then that gets him a call-up to Argentina as their number one, wins the Copa America to then solidify his place in the team and then he goes through the whole World Cup campaign as number one has an amazing penalty shoot, shootout performance against the Netherlands and then the same again against um, uh, France in the final and they win the World Cup and the funniest part about it is Neil Mopay who instigated the whole thing is French himself. So it's just like a little <laughs> little kick in the teeth to him. Like uh, <laughs> It's gone full circle. Yeah, it's, it's gone full circle. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that has gone. Yeah, no, I mean... Another thing as well, France have been quite underwhelming all tournament um, for me. You know they've they've got they've got the they've got the wins obviously, and but you know people will call me biased, but you know even against England, I think England were the better team uh, on the day. Uh, against Morocco, um, I think they got a little bit lucky. You know they probably were the better they were the better team on the day, um, and then again today they rode their luck at times but i think overall argentina had a much better tournament and definitely deserve deserve it in my opinion
1: yeah and as much as people say that messi carried argentina um which he he did make a massive impact in a lot of games but there were so many great players on the pitch for them i do think yeah. that mbappe definitely carried france to that final it, it was That's- his it, he was the difference in a lot of games and he got golden boot as well so it just shows you how good he really is and it's frightening to think that he could have another three maybe four world cups in him and he's already won one and got to a final so shows his quality already
0: yeah yeah a lot of people were saying it was like the battle of who's going to take over as like the greatest player um weren't they like is it is Mbappe going to win it for France and then take the take the the throne if you will but um There's just no doubt is that like messi is still one of the best players even at 35 uh it's just it's just crazy it's crazy
1: yeah and i'm sure he'll he'll think about maybe retiring from international football after that because you can't really top that can you and he's not gonna Mm. go for back-to-back world cups when he's what 39 40 so you'd think that that's probably the hiatus of his international career and he's probably going to be the last time we see him in an Argentina shirt but I wouldn't rule it out him going to the Copper America again
0: (laughs) yeah yeah maybe maybe that's it for World Cups but you you know maybe one last Copper America for him maybe would be uh... yeah but you know going out going out after winning the World Cups probably as good as it gets so (laughs) that kind of does seem to suit Messi doesn't it
1: yeah it made me sad seeing Saliba go up to get his uh, silver medal at the end, having not played. They might have won if he played, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it made me sad seeing him go up and get his medal and just, <laughs> just looked a bit <laughs> a bit sad himself. Didn't yeah. me, but...
0: That was the one little caveat of maybe why we should be supporting France over Argentina, the fact we've got Saliba. But, you know, for me, he's, you know, he's not really played all tournament. Uh, I think he played that one dead rubber game uh, in their uh group stage which they I think they lost uh in the end Tunisia um yeah so you know it, it didn't really impact on my who I wanted to win the game the fact that Saliba was set on the bench for France but yeah you know I was thinking the same in the first half you know maybe Saliba could be doing a lot better here because upper Meccano was not playing very well but then in the latter stages of the game, he was putting in block after block, so he he kind of redeemed himself in the end. Even Kanate, when he came on, was playing quite well. They're just sort of blessed with quite a lot of good centre-backs, aren't they? Even that Jules Kunde plays at right-back, similar to how Ben White does for, for us. They've got sort of that centre-back in the right-back position. Uh, so they're just absolutely blessed with uh, centre-backs there. So, But I do think... Um, now the uh, the tournament's over. They're going to be looking to the future. and Players like Camavinga and um, Saliba will be getting more starting roles in that French team.
1: Yeah, who's who's that um, French? Is he a winger? Isn't he? Um, I can't remember his name, but he's unbelievable.
0: Like Colo, Gimsmanem. Yeah, great. he plays for Frankfurt. For... Sorry. Yeah, well, no, I, th- I think. Uh, he seems destined for a for a big move, doesn't he? He really made an impact when he came on. It was, was it for Giroud uh, in the first half, around it, the forty-minute marks?
1: Yeah, I think it was. And did you see Giroud getting mad and punching the ground and being angry. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He's, when he was walking off onto the bench, he was, he was kicking off because he got taken off in the first half. But it's you know, you know, if you're not playing well, it's yeah. a World Cup final. You've got to come off.
0: Yeah, he, he was quite ineffective, wasn't he? Um, but they weren't playing to his strengths at the end of the day. He's quite a unique player in that in that way. If you don't play to his strengths, it's almost like playing with 10 men.
1: Yeah, but then but, weirdly, um, after he's gone off the bus, they start floating loads of balls into the box. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, but you, to be fair, you can't argue with those substitutions because it did, not straight away, but it did make them play better, uh, especially in that second half. So, yeah, yeah
1: fair play. Should we talk a little bit about Arsenal?
0: You read my mind. You read my mind.
1: <laughs> I'm but, so uh, glad that let's... the World Cup has finally finished. So now, well, now that England got knocked out and the World Cup's finished. So as soon as England went out, I was not bothered about it really, apart from the final, because I always like to watch the final. But yeah, I've I've yeah. just been itching to... Have Arsenal back on my screens, and they were back on my screen yesterday against Juventus in mm. a friendly game. Um, we had yep. Aaron Ramsdale, he started. Benny Blanco, Benjamin White, he started. Uh, what was your take on the game? Um, well,
0: I mean, over, oh, yeah, it was a pretty strong starting lineup, wasn't it? I mean, probably Bar, Saka, Martinelli, um, yeah he's sort of basically our our starting 11 um so i was expecting a strong performance especially when it was against uh a very young inexperienced Juventus team i think they only really had locatelli and uh is it Bugani? uh that um maybe moyes that that, yeah. that play regularly for the first team so you know i was expect you know i was expecting to have a lot of the ball which we we did have um just we didn't really create much did we We there wasn't really any many clear-cut chances um and, and in the end sloppy goals to concede I think, I think they've both gone down as own goals in the end haven't they um so you know yeah. I'm not, I, a lot of people sort of say that winning in these pre, i say pre-season it's not pre-season it's mid-season but these mid-season friendlies uh, that winning is, is crucial because it, it keeps up our momentum. I'm not sure I buy into that um into that too much. I, I think it's more about the the sharpness and the fitness aspect more than anything. Uh don't get me wrong, winning is obviously good for momentum. But I think um I think it's it's important that these players are up to speed and sharp when twenty sixth of December comes round against West Ham. I think that's that's the main thing. So, I'm, I'm happy that we've uh, in, overall in the three games or public games that we've had, I think, I think overall I'm pretty happy. I think we've been quite sharp. Um, what were your thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, um, I pretty much agree with you there. Um, I think well, first half, we were completely dominant up until the last minute of the first half, which is where we conceded from our own goal. But Apart from that, we really did command complete control of the ball. We didn't let them out of their half, really. Every time they got the ball back, we'd win it back. And the uh, Juventus youngsters really looked like youngsters. They looked like they were fielding their under-18s. They were losing the ball and they were so they had no composure at all. Um, but you could tell that we were missing that cutting edge with our wide forwards, so missing Martinelli and Saka because we had well Nelson was playing all right, but he well unfortunately actually came off didn't he in the first half? He pulled a hamstring, mm. um, which is, it's really unfortunate for him because this is going to be probably one of his only well his last opportunity before Saka and Martinelli come back into the fold to be able to stake a claim in the team and you're thinking if Nelson's going to be able to play in the first team, it's going to be against, it's going to be on Boxing Day because Sacra or Martinelli, they might not be fit yet, they might still have a bit of hangover from the World Cup, so it really would have been his opportunity to maybe make a start in the Premier League. And just before that happens, he pulls a hamstring, which is usually Austin awesome. vegas used to say a 21 day injury, didn't he? Minimum. So yeah. he's not really going to be in contention for that game. And you feel like once the main guys come back into the fold, he's not really going to have a shout, is he?
0: No. Um, yeah like you said this was his time. I think you could tell on the look in his face when he was holding his hamstring. You could almost read his mind. He was thinking this was my time to shine and it's now being taken away from me because of this this hamstring injury. Um so yeah I'm I'm really like I'm really uh, frustrated for him I think is the word. I really am frustrated. Um because you know next in the pecking order is Marquinhos who came on for him and and you know he's a, he's a very young lad very inexperienced and you can tell you can see that in his game he, he does look a little bit lost at times i feel like a loan move is inevitable for uh, for marquinhos so we haven't really got anyone that can directly replace what nelson would have given us in my opinion D- do you think this may affect
1: transfer plans maybe uh yes <laughs> well, I hope so because the drop-off is incredible from Sacro Martinelli mm. to Nelson and um, Marquinhos when, when he came on. It, even without the Nelson injury, I think that we, we definitely needed to get in another wide forward because you can, you, if there is a long-term injury to either Sacro Martinelli, there really isn't anyone that can step in and play the same sort of role that they can. Um mm. I think there's a few players that we're obviously linked with that we've seen loads of uh, different transfer rumours about over the last few weeks, like Mudrick and Cody Gakpo. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I definitely think we're going to be in for someone in January and we would be silly not to, especially having lost Nelson and also lost Jesus. We just need numbers up top, really, because you know if anything happens to any of our front three, we need someone that can go in there and be able to rotate, even if they, even if they do have to fill in at centre forward. Sometimes we need numbers. Yeah, I, I
0: suppose the one caveat to um, the the transfer question is the fact that we've got Smith Rowe coming back. Um, I think he's been he's, he has been training in Dubai, uh, although he's had to pull out of training. I think the the few days prior to the Juventus game meant he, you know, he, he, he wasn't involved in any way. Um, so, it just shows that he's still having little niggles, even in this period where he's meant to be coming back to full training and, and getting, getting match fitness. It's a shame because I was hoping that he could at least have some sort of involvement with these friendly games um, and get himself up to speed you know, in a, in a friendly manner because to, to put to throw yourself back into a competitive game is, is tough. Um and I think we found that with like Vieira, for example, he didn't have any pre season whatsoever and he found it hard to get up to speed whilst playing in the competitive Europa League games. Um so you know, it's a shame that we haven't had that with Smithrow. Um but he he's really gonna be he's gonna be huge when he is back, I think. I think that's really gonna help help the team. Um but like you said, can't help but feel that uh, a wide forward really it's got to be the um the number one um transfer target for arsenal i mean a lot of people talk about the central midfield role i, I don't think that's as crucial at the minute really um I think if we if we're going to push this this transfer that uh, sorry this title charge then we really need to be thinking about forward players um uh, and while we're on the topic of forward players, um, what did you think to Eddie Nketiah's performance?
1: Yeah, I, to be honest, he looked like he was doing the Jesus role really well in the first half. He was hounding and harrying players and he pressed really well. And to be fair to him, he he was pressing the keeper and the centre-back into mistakes. And we had two or three Half chances, quarter chances, just from him actually (laughs) pressing those guys. But he had one absolutely golden opportunity um, that came just after he he put the ball in the net, actually, it got ruled out for offside. And then they got given a free kick, which the goalkeeper took. And then he pressed them into making a mistake. And he got the ball on basically the Peno spot. And he, I think he, did he hit the post? He hit the post, and yeah, the keeper, the, the keeper wasn't even anywhere near him. He, he had basically an open goal, and he's hit the post. Yeah. And you're thinking, we want you to, we want you to fulfil the Jesus role, but we don't want you to replicate his current goal scoring form. We want you to score as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. he's, if that's in the Premier League, you're absolutely pulling your hair out, saying you've got to be scoring these chances because. Inevitably, what happened in the game is we well we lost the game because we didn't score and then we scored basically two own goals. But yeah, you're going to get punished if you don't take your chances, and that's the one thing that does worry me a little bit about Eddie Inketio. Is he's not as clinical as he really should be for a box, well, mm. a poacher in the box, a fox in the box, so yeah. to speak. I think
0: if I were to look at his all three performances, so I'm talking. Leon, Milan, and Juventus. I think overall he's done quite well. Actually, um, seen a lot of uh, back—not oh, backlash, but I've seen a lot of criticism uh, thrown his way um, based off the Juventus game, saying, "Oh, you know, how are we going to survive for three months with Enketia up top and and all this and that?" But I, honestly, I, I, I do think he's going to—I think he'll hold the reins you know, fairly well. And like we said in other podcasts, Jesus isn't necessarily scoring. At, um, well, he hasn't scored in the last 10 Premier League games, maybe even more than that. Uh, and I know he does offer a lot more than just scoring. Um, but as you alluded to earlier, Nketiah has been pressing well. He's been for- forcing uh, errors, um, which is, you know, what exactly what Jesus does. So, I think I've seen enough from Eddie in these friendly games to st- still give me the confidence that he can hold the reins in Jesus' absence while he recovers from this um, this knee injury. Uh, I do think he'll, I do think he'll score goals, and who knows? It, it might be one of these moments where he does actually really well, uh, and it might be roles reverse. You know, is Jesus going to be able to worm his way back in? You know, I, I like to be an optimist um, in these situations, and I'm. And like Eddie said in the last season, you know, give me a bunch of games then then critique me um this is what he's about to get because he's gonna be given a lot of games um so let's see, let's see how he does
1: yeah yeah i, I completely agree with you there, and I, what I would say is if Sacra Martinelli was starting with Enketia. I, I do think it would have been a different scoreline because, as you say, he's he's a facilitator and he definitely facilitated the other night and he, he created a lot of chances and he pressed really well and the inexperienced players around him didn't really capitalise on that. Um, and, yeah, he was unlucky to have not scored himself um, when usually he probably would have put that away. But I, I wouldn't focus too much on that. As you say, he played well in the... Uh, first two games and he did create a lot of chances which are more senior and more experienced mm. players would have definitely uh snapped up Yeah, he, he's deceptively quick as well
0: very similar to jesus in fact that he often catches defenders and the keeper off off guard of how how quick he can actually accelerate towards them and press them and, and cause them to make mistakes so um yeah it's going to be interesting and um mm. But like I said, I'm optimistic. I think you could do well. So in the second half, yeah. um we uh, had some um sub appearances from some of our younger players. Um kosia Jubri, Ethan wanyeri Um I think we messaged each other during the game and was we talking specifically about Kosia Jubri. Like what what were your thoughts on his performance off the
1: bench? <laughs> I think our message is saying who is this mini Saka? Because he he yeah. seems to play exactly like how Saka used to play when he was first trying to prove himself. And I say mini because he's he's a lot smaller, isn't he? He looks like what, like five foot yeah. six or something. He's really small, but um, he's rapid, absolutely rapid. And it was it was great to see that he um, he didn't look like he just wanted to recycle the ball or wasn't being adventurous at all he didn't play it safe either he he'd received the ball and his first thought was i'm going to beat this guy i'm going to get to the byline and try and put a ball back or try and skill him and accelerate past him and it's just the it it, it, it was amazing to see the um, enthusiasm of youth by him and Ethan Nwanieri when he came on as well and they were both linking up together and you could tell that they've been playing yeah. together in the uh, youth squads and it's 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 amazing that we've got these youngsters that could potentially be the next Sackers, the next Smith Rose, that are coming through the ranks that we don't even have to shell any money out for in the transfer market. So, if if there is a chance that we can somehow merge these players into the team over the next few months, if there's games that uh, if the game state allows it, so to speak then, yeah, we should definitely try and integrate these players.
0: Yeah, yeah, they really were linking up well on that left-hand side, weren't they? Um, and like you said, he was very direct and he was taking on his man. And, and from what I saw, he, he beat his man um, more times than not. Um, so, yeah, really impressed by him. I'm not sure how old he is, actually. Um, it's probably the first time I've seen him play. 17, 17. wow. So, yeah, um, another one. To add to the list of talented youth prospects coming through hale End. so another one to keep our eyes on. Okay, um, so another sort of aspect of the game was, was around some of the players that were missing, um, i.e. injuries racking up. Um, I think we've got Sinchenko, Tomiyasu, Lukonga, uh obviously touched on Smith Rowe now Nelson's added to that list are you getting sort of a little bit worried
1: about these injuries racking up or do you think it's all just well the list is certainly increasing and that does increase my anxiety along with it but the good thing is that the majority of our injuries we've got decent backups for so as you say at left back we've got Zinchenko and Tommy injured and then we've got Tierney who can step up to the plate which it's it's it shows that we've got great squad depth, especially in defence, that we didn't have last season. Um, and then the other players that you mentioned, Nelson, he's he wasn't really a starter anyway. The the main player that we're going to miss really is Gabriel Jesus. Uh, he's the main the main player that he would have started every single game, and he's well, he's now injured. But yeah, a- apart from him, I'm not actually. I'm not going to panic stations just yet, but it does highlight to me that we need to make some moves in the January transfer window. Yeah. What about you?
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jesus is the is obviously the biggie. Uh, Zinchenko, I guess you could argue, is a starter, especially in Arteta's eyes. Um, I know we're big fans of Tierney and I think he's done pretty well in these mid-season games. Um, so, you know, we've got strength and depth there, so it's not so much of a concern. Although I guess... Coupled with Tommy Asu's injury, it, it doesn't leave us much, you know, room for for movement. Um, if Tierney were to get an injury, obviously he's not the, the most reliable of players in terms of injury record. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure the, you know, they're they especially with Lukonga and and Zinchenko. I think they're mainly just sort of little niggles, uh, little muscular related injuries that aren't really too serious. They're more precautionary um, and it's not really worth throwing them into these games when they've got these issues. It's, you know, it's better in the long run to to give them time to recover. So um, nothing too, too concerning, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, something that we didn't actually mention as well about that first half Um is Fabio Vieira, and he actually played out on the right wing instead of that Odegaard role that we're used to yeah. seeing him in. Do you think he could be a like he, he could be out of the numbers as one of our wingers? Because from what I saw in the first half, he actually played pretty well. He was taking players on. He had nice little spins here and there. He actually had a. Pretty good effort on goal, which was saved. It was a really good save, actually. It was a little volley, which (laughs) was was beautifully made from a few little uh, samba passes to and from over the top, and then he volleyed it, and the keeper saved it. But could you see him having a real role out on the wing, or do you see him as more of a ten?
0: That goal would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? Like the little keepy is like um, that would have been. beautiful goal. It was a good save in the end as well, to be fair. It's not as if Vieira's yeah, shot was poor. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, out on the right, yeah, he he did have a good game. I, yeah, I admit that, but I'm not sure it really works in many games. I just think he's too... Uh, it's hard to find the right word. I was going to say immobile, but he, he just doesn't seem to have that sort of burst of pace to be able to beat a man. And I think we, the way we play is heavily reliant, not heavily reliant, but reliant on Martinelli taking on his man, Saka taking on his man. And with um, Vieira out wide, it slows down the play massively. Um, you know, he does link up, he did link up well uh, with Odegaard. Um, especially when he sort of drifted in centrally at times. But then that sort of goes against the whole Playing out wide position, um, so you know it, it worked <laughs> well on on the, in this game, but I'm not sure I'd like I would want to see it too often. Put it that way. Well, what about you?
1: No, no, uh, and well, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I think he's he's too similar of a player. Yeah. To Odegaard that we we don't need two of those players on the pitch at the same time. We've got we've already got Odegaard and he really did make us tick in that first half. Odegaard he was he was so good. But um, going back to Vieira, one of his main criticisms when he first came to Arsenal is his physicality. He looked too weak for the Premier League. He looks like he's beefed yeah. up a little bit, doesn't it? He looks like they've actually been feeding him at London Colney. So uh, it's good to see that they've definitely got the. Uh, the right coaches and the the right nutritionists mm. should i say to uh, help him cope with the prem but yeah so yeah we, I, I don't think there is a real position for him out on the right i think he will end up being a rotation player for Odegaard and if he can do a job if Saka's injured then he can do a job but if we get the likes of Gak Gakpo or a Mudrick, they would definitely be in front of him in the line. Yeah, you know, don't me. get
0: me wrong. Yeah, he, I think he can do a job there uh, when push comes to shove, but it's not something that I would be, you know, jumping at to, to, to incorporate him into the team and get him on the right. You know, for example, I mean, I, I wouldn't be doing that.
1: No, and um, something else with that Sir uh, Bukayo Saka related. I was going to mention that we don't have to just be concerned about him getting injured on the right. Are you also concerned about his contract situation? Um, yeah, I did see some little rumours circulating
0: around City uh, recently, which always puts the fear into you, uh, especially uh, having been scarred from how many players they took from from us all those years ago. Um. But um, <laughs> I think out of the three, Saka, Martinelli, Saliba, I think Saka has got to be the most likely to sign. Um, so, yeah, it is a concern because it's massive, it, it, it's huge. It's it's imperative that he signs. So it is it does concern me because um, he's certainly one of our best players, and he's so young. Um, you know, we need to be building around him for the future. So it's imperative that he signs. Uh, I do think he will sign. I think now the World Cup's over. I think it's um, a matter of time. I think within the next... Well, certainly before May, I think I think we'll know. I think um, I think he'll have signed that ting, as they say. Um, what about you? Are you, are you worried? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, well, yes, of uh, course I'm worried because I feel like he has... He's a talismanic player. He's he's like the figurehead of this whole new generation of players in this whole pro, trust the process. He is one of the main players of the process. So for him to be ripped out of that really does go against the whole principle of of this thing that we're building, this team that we're trying to achieve. And yeah, I, I would be really upset, and I, I I am worried that he might get tempted by City. But I don't think it's an as appealing of a club to play for, really, Man City. They're not, I'm not just having a dig at the fan base because obviously they've got no fans. But I'm more concerned about the fact that if I was Bukayo Saka, he, he's not going to be guaranteed to start there every week. They always rotate the players. Uh, he's going to a club where he's not really got any history there. Whereas when he's at Arsenal, he's an Arsenal lad. He's come through the ranks. Everybody there loves him. He knows he's going to start every single week if he's fit. And Arsenal as a team, at the moment, they're meeting his expectations Mm. as a player. I I would understand it if, for example, we were still lumbering about in eighth place and looking like we're going to finish outside the Champions League spots again. A player like Bukayo Saka needs to be playing in in the best competitions that he could possibly play in. I would say, fair enough, go go and play for... Well, I wouldn't want to, but I'd say if he needs to... Like Jack Grealish, for example, he wants to play in the biggest competitions, so he had to leave Aston Villa, his boyhood club. You can understand that. However, Arsenal are moving in the right direction. We're currently top of the league, in case you didn't know. Uh, just nice right. to say over and over again, isn't it? And um, yeah, there's no reason why he should leave. And his contract, his new contract, should he get one, it should reflect his importance in the squad. Yeah,
0: Yeah, because hypothetically, say he signs a five-year deal right now, in five years' time, he's going to be 26, you know, in his his prime. So even if he signed, he's still got the the ability and chance to go to a big club, say, if we don't
1: get into the Champions
0: League consistently over the next five years, and don't meet his ambitions, then you know, then fair enough. Um, but I think it's too early in his career for him to just move now. I think it probably it could, like you said, hamper his development as well, because he's not going be to be playing every single game. Um, you know, just look at Grealish. His stock's fallen dramatically, hasn't it? Um, you would have said he was an not a nailed on starter for England, but it's certainly one of the first everyone was dying for it, to get Grealish in the team. This tournament, not so much. I don't think he's, there's many I don't think was many fans sort of as desperate to see him play because he's just not had those consistent games in the Premier League. Um so and, and even yeah, so even players like Sancho um aren't playing for Man United now. Uh he got his big move and him and getting the team is no longer in the England team, so I think he's happy. So
1: why change? Why change? Yeah, yeah, and I really do hope that he will stay. <laughs> uh, so I actually saw something on Twitter. I don't know how true it is because it came from Italian media, but the team that we played against the other day, yeah. Juventus, supposedly would like a swap deal for uh, Gabriel, um, the defender, the defensive Gabriel, (laughs) for Dusan Vlavic. (laughs) Now, I was really big on wanting Vlaovic last January because at the time we had Aubameyang who'd just left and Lacazette was our only real first-team striker. Eddie Nketiah still wasn't really in the frame too much by that point, so we had Alex Alex Lacazette, sorry uh, and I was thinking yeah, I would really want to have someone like Duzan Vlaovic in the team because he was doing so well for uh, Fiorentino at that point, but having got Jesus I don't think a player like Vlaovic would actually fit into our team he, he doesn't really fit the Arteta style and I really like Gabriel and please don't take him away from us <laughs>
0: Yeah, the first rule is never believe um, transfer rumors that come out of Italy. <laughs> uh, but still, uh, hypothetically, um, if that were an option, no chance. I, yeah, I would not be, would not be taking that. Um, the starters, like I'm the same. You know, I love Gabriel. I think he's quality, quality centre back, um, left footed as well. Which you know, Ateta absolutely. Requires in his his centre backs, he needs the left sided to be left footed and the right side to be right footed. So, and there's not that many, you know, known or high performing left footed centre backs. So, the fact that we got one of the best, uh, we should probably keep a hold of him. But you know, I think the I think the Vlahovic ship has sailed in my opinion. I, I think uh, I think it was certainly an option uh, back when we bid for him. Um, I think I'm with you on the fact that Jesus has is um, transformed our team, and you know why would why would we want to disrupt mm. that? Um, and like as I was mentioning earlier, I'm happy with Eddie as um, second choice. I don't see any any room for Vlahovic
1: anymore. No, uh, well, it's funny that you should say that. There's not too many high performing left centre backs that are left footed. We've actually also been linked. So this this is why I was putting the puzzle together. We've been linked with Indika, uh who's a left centre-back slash left-back. Now, I hope this isn't true because I also, yeah, I really like Gabriel. But if we were to get Endika, then that would free up that sp- space on the left centre-back for him to maybe get swapped with Vlávic. So that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. <laughs> but... Um, but saying that, I would like Indico in the team as maybe a rotational player.
0: Yeah, especially when you think that um, Pablo Marie, who's on loan at Monza at the minute, has got an obligation. Monza have got an obligation to then purchase Marie should they stay up. And if you look at their league position at the minute, they're they're doing pretty good. So I, I don't think they're they're going to be in that relegation zone towards the end, so that effectively means that Pablo Marie will no longer be an Arsenal player. Um, So, he is our other left-footed centre-back, so he he could effectively replace uh, Marie's position in the squad. I know what you're thinking, well, he's out on loan, so he's not really in the squad, but Arteta does like that. He does like two left-footed centre-backs, two right-footed centre-backs, so I guess that would in my opinion, lean more towards a potential Rob Holding exit uh, more than anything. I think I think this, in my opinion, could be his final season uh, in an Arsenal shirt. I think we could be looking to replace him as a more left-sided centre-back.
1: Yeah, and if Rob Holding does go, I will be sad to see him go because he's... He is one of those Mr Arsenal players where he he loves the club and he'll give everything for the badge. But he's just not quite up to the quality of the top four, really, is he? I think he'd do well at maybe like a Crystal Palace or just like Everton or a mid-table team. I think he he would play really well and you would be able to be a starter. But he's always got a mistake in his locker and... Sometimes he does lose his cool, like when he got that red card against uh, Tottenham against Son when he elbowed him last season. So he's not really got much... I think it would be good for his career if he takes maybe takes a sidestep or a bit of a step down to a lesser club to get more game time. Um, and yeah, I would be sad to see him go, but he just... He, I suppose the caveat to all that is the
0: fact that Ben White's now out on the right. Hmm. Uh, so is, is Ben White a is he a, a permanent right back now in, our te- in, in Arsenal's eyes, or is he still that the right centre back? You know, is it Saliba and Ben White, or is it? You know, it, it's hard to really know the, the thought process yeah. behind that. Uh, so that, that maybe could leave leave the space open. for Yeah, because it does make um, you wonder. I think he's done okay this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. Yeah, he does have mistakes in him. He, he just he seems to be that sort of like just not as sharp as everybody else. He just seems like one pace behind everybody else. It's uh, it's a difficult one. Um, but I don't think he's put in any clangers, you know, since that Tottenham mm. game.
1: No, I I think what we can say about Rob Holding is he's effectively like the Elneny of centre-back. He's going to give you like a six or a seven out of ten most week weeks, but he's not going to do anything too progressive. He does like to pass the ball side to side. So if, if you have a combo of Elneny and Rob Holding, you, you're never going to leave your half, are you, really? But you're not going to concede either, so <laughs> if you want to shore up... He's good in the air as well. Yeah, to be fair, that is yeah. one of his real strengths of having a a player that you can bring on, who you know is going to defend the box to, within the edge of his life. He he is great in the air. Yeah.
0: When you're clinging on for a one nil win or whatever, and um, the team is swinging in crosses left, right, and centre line and you can you can bring Rob on and, and know that he's going to get on the end of most of them. It's a nice little thing to have on your bench, I guess. But whether that warrants a space in the Arsenal
1: squad, I don't know. <laughs> I did have a uh, a bit of a fun question here. And it was, who has been the best signing for you personally during the Emirates era?
0: Um, Santi Cazola. Only because he absolutely transformed our team in terms of... Uh, we was reliant on Sanchez and Ozil heavily. And then um, we brought in Cazola and our midfield just there's so much more control and um he was just like a little magician wasn't he uh, he's probably one of my favorite emirates era players like you
1: yeah i think i think Cazorla came before Ozil and Sanchez didn't he i'm pretty sure he came before them when it was um really? i think him Giroud Podolski and there was one other player that came in. Um, but Because I remember when Ozil came in, in his first season, um, he won the FA Cup. And... Yeah. yeah and Kazola was already in the team then, I'm pretty sure, because he scored the free kick, which against Hull, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, that one was 2-0 behind. Yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. I, anyway, they combined combined very well, put it that way I remember us being heavily reliant um, on Sanchez for example And I feel like they just sort of unlocked each other they sort of seemed to be that little trio rather than um, heavily reliant yeah. on one
1: two but, Well, um, I actually I went for um, Alexis Sanchez as my favourite Emirates signing and Ozil was a close second just because when Ozil first came to the club We we'd had that trophy drought, and the the quality of him coming in. He came from Real Madrid, and he played with Ronaldo and played with all these great players. And then he comes to our club, little Arsenal, and (laughs) uh, and we're back to winning a trophy again straight away. And I was thinking, oh oh God, okay, we're we're starting to come back into back with the big boys, so to speak. Um, So I I feel like he really elevated our club. Um, however, I went for Alexis Sanchez because every single time you watched him play, he looked a threat. You knew that he could just pull a goal completely out of his bottom at, <laughs> at any point. You'd, you'd see him on the left wing. It's kind of like how Martinelli's starting to play now. He, he would just, he'd he get the ball and you know that he would drive in and put it top bins or, or drive in and then go near post. You, you knew that there was always a chance that we'd score if we had Alexis on the left, and he got the ball. So he's probably been the most exciting player for me to watch during the Emirates era.
0: Fair, yeah, he was. He definitely was a game changer, wasn't he? I think he's probably our best player of the Emirates era uh, in terms of talent. Maybe Van Persie actually. Mm, yeah. Annoyingly, both players went to Man United, <laughs> right.
1: And, uh, well, um, you know, but... Van Persie won then the league, really, didn't he, when he went across, but Sanchez didn't really do anything at all yeah. when he went to United.
0: Shambles, really, wasn't it? The
1: whole Mkhitaryan tra- uh, swap deal. Uh, was that was awful <laughs> <through>. <laughs> transfer for us as well. It was awful That's on nice. both sides, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was just an absolute shambles, wasn't it? Um I think he was trying to get his move to city wasn't he Sanchez? Mm. then that sort of backfired last minute so that he had to go to united um and i think i heard reports that within like a, a week of being there he was asking if he could come back <laughs> to, to arsenal <laughs> um he hated it that much and you can tell with his performances um so yeah. we've got arsenal the west ham on boxing day um so, not long to go for that one. I think it's just over a week. um Zaka and Martinelli, do you think they'll come straight back into the team?
1: I don't know, to be honest. Uh, they've had a couple of weeks off and they've not joined up with the team in Dubai. So, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to come back and play. I feel like both of them will definitely want to because... That's the sort of players they are. They're young, hungry players, and they want to play as much as they can. Um, yeah. Neither of them are injured. They I feel like they both have a bit of a point to prove after early exits from the World Cup. So yeah, I don't see why yeah, they I won't saw play. some
0: reports um, saying that Martinelli is back in training with with the team, and he's looks like he's full of energy still. I think he's raring to go. I think one of the first players to leave the Brazil camp. To get back and um, and kick on with Arsenal now, Saka. I think he's still on his holidays, so um, he's gonna have less time to um, get up to speed. But um, as we mentioned earlier, we're not sort of blessed on that right hand side uh, with players at the minute. So I think that's that position sort of is, is Saka's. Uh, no matter what, if as long as he's fit. Um, so
1: yeah, I, I think they'll both play. Yeah, I was going to say. Looking forward to it. (laughs) If um, if they didn't play, then who would we have instead? Probably no one. So uh, I think if they're back, then they have to play, don't they? We it's it's not a case of if we should or shouldn't play them. We kind of have to if we've got them. So
0: yeah, I think yeah, like you said, we've got to play them, and um, we've got options from the bench if we have to change um, for whatever reason. But I think, yeah, I think i will have to start so, so much and But yeah, I really am looking forward to it. I'm super glad that the Premier League is back. Um, so Yeah, I think we will get into the sort of the hour mark now. I think it's pretty a good time to end. Have you got anything else to add?
1: No, all I want to say is I want to wish all of the listeners a... Happy Christmas and hope you get everything and see all of your family and whatever you like to do on Christmas Day. Fill your boots with a lot of turkey and stuffing and then enjoy the arsenal. Have a good one, guys.
0: Take care. Bye.